I'm ignorant. It's a simple fact. I'm ignorant to so much. Ignorance is bliss, to be sure, because the more I uncover, the more it makes me want to stay in bed, covered and ostracized. But otherwise, a helpful alternative is to just keep your head down and do your job. Speaking out is for the outspoken. And of course, I joke, for I do my best to remain enlightened. Then I feel compelled to start joshing around, as we'll do today, talking about Aaron Brockovich, Activision, and Pelican Briefs. Activision Publishing is an American video game publisher founded in 1979 that was the world's first independent developer and distributor of video games for gaming consoles. Before Activision, third-party developers didn't exist. The way the company came about was when four Atari programmers went to meet with Atari CEO Ray Kasser in May of 1979 to demand that the company treat developers as record labels treated musicians with royalties and their names on game boxes. The men who approached Kaplan were considered the best designers in the world. However, Atari CEO referred to them as nothing more than towel designers, claiming that anybody could do a cartridge. That's when three of the four designers in that room left the company to form Activision, and gaming history was made. The company was originally called V-Sync Inc. before they decided to combine Active and Television to settle on Activision, right around the same time that that fourth rock star designer joined the team. The departure of the four programmers, whose title made up more than half of Atari's cartridge sales at the time, caused some legal action that wasn't settled until 1982, which is the same year that Activision released Pitfall. Those were one of the many hits that the company would create, including 1988's Double Dragon and 2002's Kelly Slater's Pro Surfer, which was an Xbox game I had to buy just to be able to surf my home break. Throughout their history, Activision's published many video game titles based on movies, TV shows, or even books that were popular at the time, such as the case with video games based on Howard the Duck, James Clavell's Shogun, or even the MTV series Pimp My Ride. My favorite, though, has to be the 1995 game Paparazzi Tales of Tinseltown, where the player is a fledgling photographer out to score it big by photographing 24 celebrities in two weeks. While Activision had early success using Rockstar developers and then rode the coattails of movies and TV shows by acquiring their video game licenses, the company's real strengths came through mergers and buyouts. This was the case in 2003 when Activision acquired a majority stake of Infinity Ward, the creators of the popular series Call of Duty. Same was the case in 2006 when Activision bought Red Octane so they could get their hands on the Guitar Hero franchise. But this is always the way it works in big business. Companies buy up the agile little firms, providing a payout coupled with stability while usurping that little firm's capabilities and customers. That's why this show has always looked carefully at who owns what. With that in mind, here's some breaking news. The CEO of Salesforce and his wife have just bought Time Magazine from the Meredith Corporation because apparently people with better homes and gardens ain't got time for that. It looks like my old sales manager was right. Proper use of Salesforce can help buy time. What's that? Oh, I've just been informed that we've been bought by the Meredith Corporation with some of that time money. The first thing they asked, hard quotes, was that we stop the who owns what stuff and focus more on food and wine, family fun, and southern living. So with that, hey y'all, welcome to hanging around. You know, for the longest time, I've had a fear of hanging things on the wall because a woman told me when I was just a young man 
that men hang things too high. She said, you need to put it more at eye level, but that seems like a subjective height. So now I have no idea how high painting should be. Welcome to a new segment we're adding to the show called Family, because much like a team, a family has no eye, but instead it's ours. On this edition of Family, I want to tell you, cutting off the crusts of your kid's lunchtime sandwich is just the right thing to do, but using a cookie cutter to make shapes out of that sandwich shows that you know what you're doing. And now it's time for Shannon with Shannon. This week, we're sharing Shannon Blanc with Shannon Sharp. Soon, we'll be sipping Shannon Blanc with Shannon Doherty, who's scheduled to record her segment Sips on Sunday. Before we can get to that, though, it looks like we've been sold to NPR. Good news, though, they threw in a tote bag. Our focus is supposed to be a good-natured, hard-hitting news game show, similar to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, that we're calling, oh, I know this. Our first question, what storm ravaged citizens of the Earth this weekend? Oh, Florence. What? No, no, the correct answer is Super Typhoon Mangkut, or as they're calling it in the Philippines, Ompong, which rolled through early on Friday, leaving more than 100 people missing or dead in the Philippines before wrecking havoc in Hong Kong and moving on to mainland China. For our next question, we're wondering how governments properly control their citizens. Oh, through fear! No, that's close. Unfortunately, the answer we were looking for was through data collection and manipulation of information. As is the case with the tongue-in-cheek conspiracy theory in Hong Kong, over the existence of a force field that repels tropical cyclones from the city, referred to as Lee's Field, with the Lee referencing local business tycoon Lee Kaixing, the implied developer of the field, because of the way Hong Kong's government is organized, it seems the city's Commerce and Economic Development Bureau oversees the Hong Kong Observatory, and it's that observatory that issues tropical cyclone warnings. It's thought that these warnings are issued on economic reasoning instead of scientific thought because in Hong Kong, schools above kindergarten are shut down when tropical cyclone single number eight is issued and all non-essential staff at workplaces are sent home. So with that in mind, it is amazingly rare that signal number eight is ever issued and that's why people believe Lee's Field must be in existence. In this case, Lee's Field did nothing to repel super typhoon Manghut Ni Ompong as on September 16th, the Hong Kong Observatory issued the hurricane signal number 10, which is the highest level of tropical cyclone warning signals in Hong Kong for over 10 hours. This marked only the third time that this warning has been issued for the region since 1999, with the others being Typhoon Hato in 2007 and Typhoon Vicente in 2012. <sighs> well, there's been some trouble at NPR when apparently Terry Gross was disgusted to see me eating in the National Public Cafeteria, so they transferred me to PBS, where we're set to record a frontline-type program we were going to call Backpage until one of the interns told us what that was, so currently we're just using a working title. The first episode involves me interviewing Erin Brockovich because she's coming to my town. You know things are going well when Erin Brockovich comes to your town. Apparently, we're in a cancer cluster. Shh, don't tell the future owners of my house. <laughs> that said, real estate's all about location, location, location. But when you're selling, it's all about disclose, disclose, disclose. Luckily, our county's health department has a disclosure right on their website that says, live in this zip code? Well, there is a cancer scare. However, 
One in three adults will get cancer in their lifetime, and three of four families will deal with cancer in the group. Among the contaminants thought to be causing these rare forms of cancer and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in young people throughout our area is assumed to be some firefighting chemicals used by a local Air Force base over the last 20 years. It seems the groundwater in our area is less than one part per trillion with the substance. Though it's above EPA levels, it's still considered safe. However, over on the Air Force Base, which is just a few miles away, the parts are in the millions per trillion, and that seems troublesome. Not just for us, but for the manatees, dolphins, and turtles in our waterways that have recently been found to have cancer themselves. That's a lot to digest. To take my mind off it, I'm reminded not of Aaron Brockovich, but instead another Julia Roberts movie. Similar to Pelican Briefs, a high school friend once explained to me the need for pelican goggles. Seemingly, most pelicans die from starvation after going blind. They go blind because they keep their eyes open while striking the water searching for fish, but after so many strikes, their eyesight fades, and that's when these blind pelicans can no longer find fish to smash into. But maybe there's hope. Much like Jonathan Livingston Siegel, maybe somewhere out there, there's a pelican developing spectacles who has the power to change the world. While that remains to be seen, those jokes have caused Frontline to renounce our rights. Now that we're back to being a fake internet radio show, let's pretend to end this episode. While ignorance is a game you win by losing, activism takes daily work and proper planning. Though mergers and acquisitions are the fastest way in, you can't always buy time. Salesforce fields, but even Lee must give way when true winds of change blow. As we were unable to breathe fresh air into Backpage, Remember that we're doing our best to help pelicans see food. And maybe there's something we can do for the manatees, dolphins, and turtles too. Not just now, but long after we stop joshing around.